This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us today, and I thought we'd start the service in a little different way. We've actually come to an apple orchard here on the Panther Farm, a wonderful place that I've actually grown up and just love how beautiful it is here. But, you know, if I come to this orchard this time of year when the uh, the trees are, are blooming and everything is uh, in full uh, glory of spring, uh, there's a problem if I'm hungry. If I show up in this apple orchard looking for an apple this time of year, I'm going to leave unsatisfied. As a matter of fact, most of you would consider my, my trip here foolish. And that's what we're talking about in this series, uh, things that seem foolish. It seemed foolish for them to put blood on their doors, but it saved them. It seemed foolish that someone would choose sin, and it seemed foolish that God would love us enough to come and die for our sin. But today, as we come into this part of this foolish series, I want to talk to you about a moment that people just didn't understand. Honestly, I don't think I completely understood this scripture until this study that we've been on. And I hope when we leave today, you're going to have a better understanding of that. So here, I'm going to read you this passage, and I want you to think about it. I'm here in an apple orchard where there are no apples this time of year. Well, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse number 12, the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Now, that's really important because it puts, a, it puts a perspective for us. To the Jewish people, they understand that this is on the Mount of Olives side of Israel. And there on that place, in that spot, uh, as Jesus comes through, as he approaches the Mount of Olives, they believe that was the, the that far side of the Mount of Olives where uh, the uh, Garden of Eden would have been located. And it's actually, they believe that is the area in which... Eve would have taken that fruit from the tree. It blows my mind how God works as he pulls everything together. As all of a sudden, these three messages are now fitting together and they all have something to do with the tree. So Jesus is in that region, in that place. He comes together and with his disciples, he's hungry and he notices a fig tree in full leaf a little ways off. So Jesus veers off of the path that it seems he was headed on, and he went over to see if, any, if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves. Notice this, because it was too early in the season for fruit. Too early for figs to be on the trees. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. So Jesus comes to this tree out of season, out of time, just as strange as it would be for me to find an apple during this season, and there's no fruit, Jesus looks at the tree and says, never again. Never again will anyone eat from your fruit. And the disciples heard him say it. And we're going to go down to verse 19 of that passage. It says, that evening Jesus heard, or excuse me, that evening Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. 
So get this picture, and we're about to come back into our service time there. Think about this. Jesus comes in the wrong season to a fruit-bearing tree, and when it has no fruit, he looks at it, he says, never again, and by the next day, the tree is withered. What does that mean, and what does it have to do with our hope in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Let's go into the Word now. If you want to feel awkward, watch yourself on the screen. We're in a sermon series called Foolish. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 18. We're going to read that and pray, and then we're going to break this today. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know, don't question, but we know that it is the very power of God. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. And I ask you, Lord, at this late moment that you'll still bring the truth of this passage to us. Help us to see what it is you're saying to us today, and let us bring you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I know that the hour is late. I know that my time has come and gone, uh, that we worshiped a little longer, but I believe I have a now. Come on, word. Amen. How convenient is that now? No. If you're wondering what that is, we believe in a real God who can really change your life. We believe the way that you love God's by loving others, and we believe now's the time to engage in that process. But I have a word, something I've never seen before. So what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is sometimes in the Scripture things seem foolish. When God told them to put blood on their doors before the Passover, it had to be foolish. And I can only imagine when that husband came home and said, honey, I'm going to paint the door with blood. And she went, that does not go with my color scheme. Come on now. But it seemed foolish, but it saved their life. Last week, we talked about how that Eve took the most foolish moment in history when she pulled that, that, that uh, fruit off that tree and, and took from that. And then we talked about also the fact that probably even more foolish in that moment was God's foolishness when he came and died for people who act like we act, but yet God's still good to us. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you to know God loves you. Amen. God knows right where you are. God sees you. And here's what we learn. You see, when Eve took something off a tree, it changed the world. But God responded by putting someone on a tree to right the world. Now today, what I want to deal with is your image of the cross. I want to tell you that I think that, that the image of the cross that we've all had this picture of three crosses on a hillside has, has, has been wrong. I think there's a better image of what is accurately found in Scripture, and this is really important because we've been discover, discovering the fact that it all seems to come back around these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so I want to give you a different image of the cross. We've had this image of that, that rocky hill with those three crosses protruding out of that, and I'm going to destroy that even more, Lord willing, next week. But I, I want you to see what has been missed, and I want to give you five scriptures really quick so that you can see what's been missed. Acts chapter 5, verse number 30, it says this, says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a, what's the word there? Tree. Acts 10.39 says it this way, And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hang, or hung or hanged on a what? Tree. Acts 13.29. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree. Now watch this very carefully. And laid him in a sepulcher. 
Galatians 3.13 says it this way, Christ has redeemed us from the curse, hallelujah, praise God, of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a Cleon here, tree, okay? I want you to get this. 1 Peter 2 and 24, the last passage I want to read you in this says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now in no way am I implying that Jesus did not bear the marks of the cross, but we must look at what scripture is saying and the significance of what scripture is saying here. The word that is translated as tree, even though many modern translations translate it to cross, the Greek word that is in these epistles, that is in these writings from those early fathers that is used here, is a Greek word that is kleon. Kleon, not to be misunderstood for klingon. Come on now, amen. But kleon. And the word for kleon uh, is, this word means uh, tree. And we find it over and over again, and it's substituted for staros. Staros is the Greek word for the cross. And they put these words, in, they interchange them when they're not put in this way. Now, why is this important? Why do we need to know what, how it was actually originally said? Because there's a very great significance here that we need to understand. There were two trees in the garden that had a very significant importance. Genesis 2 and 9 tells us this, that the Lord God made out of all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are two very significant trees that were very important to mankind. Both trees were there and available for Adam and Eve to eat from, but they chose the wrong tree. How many of you have ever chose the wrong tree in your life? When the original sin occurred, the way to the tree of life had to be blocked. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 22, we find, And the Lord God said, That I have to block the way, lest men come in their fallen state and eat from the tree of life and live forever. Unless they live in this cursed and fallen state forever. The Lord banishes them from the garden, and, and after he drove men out of the garden, he had to put a block to the garden on that eastern side of Eden. He had to put a block there so that man could no longer get to the tree of life. Now, as we've talked about these two trees, now in our third week, talking about these trees, we talked about Eve took something off a tree and God put someone on a tree. That Eve could not put her sin back on the sin tree, but thanks be to Jesus Christ, we can bring every sin and put it back on the cross. Come on now. And it sticks there. Let me just say that again. The cross has sticking power. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. You can put that sin on the cross and Jesus will cleanse it. It would take that away. Amen. But here's the significance in this passage this morning. Here's what I want you to get. Here's why I'm preaching this message at a late hour. I want you to understand that the reason that he was crucified on a tree wasn't that he didn't bear the cross, the stauros, because they would have had him carry the stauros up to the tree, and then they would have nailed him to the stauros, pulled it up, and nailed the stauros on the tree. 
Why is it important? Because Jesus didn't come just to deal with one tree. He came to restore another tree. Jesus wanted to create the tree of life again. He wanted to establish it. You see, when you look at a cross, it doesn't make sense to you. But when I look at a cross, I see the tree of life. Because whoever comes to the cross and believes on the one that was sacrificed there lives forever and has everlasting peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what Jesus was doing, the cross became our tree of life. We can make our way back to the cross when we find ourselves eating from the wrong tree. Well, I feel like preaching for just a moment. When we find ourselves eating from the wrong tree, we can find our way back to the cross. We can look at that disgusting fruit of sin and say, you don't satisfy me anymore because I have tasted of the Lord's presence and I know that God is good and I'm making my way back to the cross and I'm going to receive the life afresh and anew in who I am. Amen. God's good to us. Pastor Don, why do you think this is important? Because Revelation 22 tells us this, that, that, there's a, that there's an angel that showed him the river of the water of life. It was crystal clear, and it flowed from the throne of the Lamb, come on, of, of God, and down the middle of that great street. And, and as then, uh, he said, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. Bearing 12 crops. You know how much that excites me? This is not even in my sermon. But it bears 12 crops. You know what that tells me? One for every month of the year. You can go to the cross every day of your life. And there's always going to be fruit there. There's always going to be something you can receive at the cross. Amen. And he says, watch this. And the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer, no longer will there be what? Any curse. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be in that city and his servants will serve him. Blessed are those, watch this, who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into that city. Can I tell you how we wash our robes? We wash our robes by placing our sins back on the cross. That every time I fail, I don't stand around and go, what am I going to do with this failure? I find my way to somewhere to pray. I get on my knees and I become at the foot of the cross by faith. And I pick that sin up and I say, God, my hands are stained. What does the word say? We lift up holy hands. Why does the word say that? Because when I lift up stained hands, the blood of the cross washes me clean and makes me whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Amen. If you tell the other two services I gave you all a 40-minute message in 20 minutes, I'll preach twice as long next week. Come on now. I'm hurrying as fast as I can preach this morning. So Jesus restored the tree of life. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. But what about the other tree? What about the other tree? When Jesus comes, he's dealing with the other tree in Mark 11. You see, there was more than just the cursing of a fig tree that did not have fruit out of season. Many people felt sorry for this little fig tree. Some people speculated about why it didn't have fruit. Well, the Bible tells you it was out of season. But I want you to remember what I told you in the video today where this all took place. It all took place on the Mount of Olives in the place that is believed to be the east side of the Garden of Eden, where the tree was. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jewish tradition tells us that the apple tree has gotten a bad rap. That it was not an apple tree, but rather it was a fig tree. The scripture says that instantly they knew, 
Instantly they knew that they had sinned, so they took leave from the fig tree. They were at the fig tree when they committed the sin. They took the leaves from the fig tree and covered themselves. So what this is telling us is that Jesus is dealing with the tree of knowledge of good and evil at this moment. So when Jesus walked up to the fig tree, he wasn't picking on the little fig tree that had no fruit in the wrong season. He was, I want you to get this, he was tying up loose ends from the garden. Can I tell you today that sin has had a reign in your life long enough and Jesus is ready to tie up the loose ends of sin in your life and get you on the right path. Amen. Amen. So while Jesus is dealing with the sin from the garden, he goes to the same place that the original sin occurred, to the same kind of tree, and he says this. He looks at the tree and he says, I'm here to deal with you because you're never going to cause this problem again. I got kind of excited when I was preparing this message at this point. Jesus looks at the curse of sin and says, never again are you going to cause people to be blocked from the way to life. Never again are you going to take control over people. He was saying that the fig tree was the evidence of the fall. He was obliterating the curse and its power over men. He said, I'm dealing with you now, and I'm about to restore the tree of life, and you're not going to cause there to be a problem this time. Interesting is what Jesus says when his disciples mention that the tree is withered on the next day. Most of the time, we think Jesus starts talking somewhere out in left field, but I want you to notice what he says in Mark eleven twenty-two. Listen to me carefully. They say to Jesus, well, look, the tree you spoke to yesterday is already withered and, and, and it's dead. And, and Jesus responds, and most of us think that he just, he just jumps off track here. He responds and says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, now notice this, if anyone says to any mountain, if anyone says to your mountain, I've heard this preached my whole life and people say, speak to your mountain. That's not what the Word says. The Word says, truly I say, if anyone says to this, what? This mountain. If anybody speaks to this mountain and says, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I've heard it preached my whole life. Speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain. And I prayed with people on the altars and they go, I've been speaking to my mountain and God, God's not moving my mountain. Let me tell you something. It's the reason is we don't understand the power of the word. He says, you've got to call this mountain for what it is. And then watch what he says. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer and believe you that you have received and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, he's, it's all sequence here. Speak to this mountain, and whatever you're asking for, you're going to get. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Are you with me? I want you to get this. Jesus says, all right, I'm dealing with something here. He says, you don't understand. You think I just cursed a tree because it didn't have fruit in season. That would be foolish. But Jesus said, I've come back to the garden. I've come back to the place. I've come back to the very spot. And I've said, there's a problem that's blocking the way to eternal life, that's blocking the way to the tree of life. And that problem is a mountain of sin and a curse of sin. And Jesus says, I tell you, if you'll call your sin for what it is, if you'll call it out and you'll pray to God about it, believing that God's going to set you free, that sin's going to move out of your life and you're going to be forgiven even as you forgive others. So God's going to forgive you. 
Now, Pastor Don, you don't understand. The mountain of, uh, of drugs and alcohol and, and bitterness and sin and shame or adultery or whatever it is has plagued my family for generations. What you don't understand is the power of what Jesus is saying. You need to plant your foot, look that sin in the face and say, devil, you've been in my family long enough. You're going to leave. You're going to move. And God's going to cleanse my family by the blood of the lamb. I'm going to the cross. I said, I'm going to the cross. Amen. Why don't you give God praise for the cross? Amen. But Pastor Don, don't you understand religion's supposed to be all pretty and tied up and three little crosses on a hill? Now, don't you understand there's nothing pretty about dealing with sin? But when you deal with it and you get it out of your life and you forgive those who've hurt you and you call it for what it is, God says, I'm going to set you free. You won't be bound. Every time you've tried to run to the, to the, to the tree of life, you've tried to, I keep pointing here because the cross was here last Sunday. Every time you keep running to the cross, that mountain of sin sits down in front of you and says, if they knew what you did, let me tell you something. Stop letting the mountain talk to you and you start talking to the mountain and be moved from my life. I will be free. I will be. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a good Jesus who's able, who's faithful, who delivers. Don't you make fun of me for losing my voice today. I'm doing it for you. Come on now. When Eve took from the tree and Adam took from the tree and they both ate from the fruit, they took away our choice. We were born in sin after that. And I feel the Holy Ghost. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? They were born in sin. We are born in sin. They, were, they chose sin. They took away our choice. But when Jesus went to the cross... He gave us back our choice. There's still two trees. A tree of the knowledge of good and evil and a tree of life. You'll either eat from the one or you'll eat from the other. You'll either pull that sin into your life like it's been done for generations in your family. Man, I didn't mean to go here, but I'm telling you, you don't understand my cousin's here today, to the addictions and the struggles that our families had to struggle with. You don't understand. You know, I know what it's like to want to love a grandfather who loves a bottle more than he loves you. I know what that's like. A man so, so drunk that he thought it'd be all right to introduce boys to little, little five, six-year-old boys to, to things that, that grown men shouldn't be looking at. I know what the curse of sin is like. I know what the struggle is like. But I thank God that a mountain like that has been moved. God brought somebody here today to move your mountain. I can tell you, I, I, I could preach this and I'm going to try to behave, but somebody goes with Pastor Don, my mountain's still there. Let me tell you what happens someday on that mountain he was pointing at, this mountain, the mountain of sin. I, I'd never seen this till I did this study. I always knew what he was going to do, and I didn't understand what he was, why he was going to do it. But the Bible says that on the last day, on the day when Armageddon is over and Jesus comes walking into Jerusalem in power through that eastern gate, what he's going to do, listen to what it says. It says he's going to set his foot down somewhere. Do you remember where he's going to set it? He's going to set it down on the Mount of Olives. In other words, he's going to set it down where the sin took hold. And the Bible says, says when he sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives that it will be torn in half. It will be destroyed. It will be broken. The curse will be over by the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. 
We're waiting for that day, but he's ready to put his foot down and bring liberty for you today. Oh, he wouldn't do that for me. Yes, he went to a cross for you. He nailed those feet to a cross. He wants to come walking into your life. Behold, he says, I stand at the door knocking. Anyone who would open unto me, I will come in. I don't know where this came from, but what was the promise he gave Joshua? Yeshua was is how you say it in Hebrew. What's the promise he gave you? Wheresoever your foot lands, that belongs to you. When you invite Jesus into your life, wheresoever his foot lands, you're giving it to him. Tear down that mountain of sin. Repent of it. Forgive the people that wronged you. And watch and see if God doesn't bring a miracle to your life. Bow your heads with me all over this place. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now. Thank you.